Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Not much changing for the Sabres over the past week. Two wins, two losses. They remain on the outside of the top eight in the conference. They're five points back of wildcard Washington, but the Capitals have four games in hand. So the reality is, Marty, they've got three this week, no back-to-backs, three days off, and then three more games before the end of 2023. Is this a situation based on recent results where you're looking at Devin Levi to start playing all these games or 90% of them, regardless, and we're not talking about back-to-backs here in the short term, but we can get into that topic coming up, simply because his numbers, his results are the best, the hottest this team has right now. I think looking at three out of four would be a good start. And obviously this is a little bit different for the Sabres because they only have three games this week and then there's a Christmas break, right? So, you know, but if, and then there's three games the week after uh, coming back from Christmas, there's a little bit of time between games. So yes, I, I would say at the very least right now, it'd be three out of four. I would even consider saying all three games this week uh, for Devin Levi. Obviously the the performances are going to be, dictating what happens you know you in my opinion you say okay columbus and toronto those would be levi games and then the saturday night against the rangers at msg that's still up in the air but if i'm planning ahead that's how i'm looking at it now look we know there's been you know some up and downs with levi early in the year not finding his groom getting sent back to rochester but we always felt i always felt anyway that he was the one with the, the better upside, even starting the season. Give him a chance. Like, see what happens. Um, it didn't work out. Okay. But then he got an opportunity with Lucan and being sick to, sick to come back. And since Levi's return, he's second in the NHL in goal save above expectation. The, the only goaltender better than him since Levi has returned in the league is UC Soros of the Nashville Predators. Everybody else. You can look at every other goaltender. Demko. Behind Levi. Uh, Phil Gustafson, who's played well in Minnesota. Behind Levi. Jonathan Quick, who's had a fantastic start to the season, even in that time frame. Behind Levi. Everybody is behind Levi. Um, the only guy that's ahead is UC Soros. So, yeah, you got to be able to use that to your advantage and try to get back to 500 before the Christmas break. So, last week was... Um, it was interesting before the road trip started simply because we were kind of on this topic of goaltending because Lukanen was going to be getting the first game yes. of the trip which based on a lack of willingness by most teams across the league to ever play their goalies on back-to-back days you were envisioning that okay this is then looking like a Lukanen two-game trip and Levi's mm-hmm. going to get one based on the fact the trip was ending with games on Friday and Saturday. Well, that's exactly how it played out. And yet, despite Levi being the hotter goalie coming in, Levi only played one game, got the win, and they lost the other two. This is not all about goaltending. It's me asking you, when did goaltenders stop becoming athletes? And like, this is I, a, no, a, like a, I'm sitting there going, no. I had to research with the NHL because we simply don't see it. And I'm I'm thinking, when was the last time we had a goalie play on back-to-back days and get two victories? And it was Michael Hauser in the 2021 COVID year, which almost doesn't count. And that's no disrespect to Hauser. It's the fact that nobody was traveling. They were playing the same team in back-to-back games on back-to-back days. 
and everything was different, right? Yes. So you have to go all the way back to Chad Johnson in 2015, but that's with a home game one night and a road game the next. To have a goaltender win on back-to-back nights in different road cities, you have yeah. to go all the way back to Ryan Miller. Yeah, oh yeah. 2012, one of my first ever road trips with the team when he shut out the Ducks and Sharks on back-to-back nights. And I'm just sitting here going, am I like old and I just don't understand nowadays like goalie usage? Like help help me make sense so, of all this. Like, first of I'm, all, I'm sorry, I'm a ride a hot hand guy. Yes. Okay. First of all, goalies are incredible athletes. Um, and so <laughs> it doesn't that. matter. Like it doesn't matter if they play on back to back or not. Incredible athletes. Two, so here's where you know, using data at times to to look at okay, goalies in back to back, right? How is the data suggesting are they playing first game, are they playing the second game? We don't have enough data because not enough goalies are being put in that situation. And the data obviously trends a little bit on the negative side when you look at goalies that play on back-to-back nights um, when it comes to the second night. But listen, it's not all on the goaltenders. Often it's your team also doesn't play the same way and they have to. So it's a it's a whole team concept for me when you have back-to-back games, right? I'll go back to John Tortorella's quote in the locker room one year. You can make yourself tired by telling yourself you're tired, or you can make yourself energized by telling yourself you have energy. Which one do you want to be? Like, I understand you're not always going to be full of energy, but but I think that we are definitely trending in the wrong direction when it comes to using goaltenders on back-to-back nights. And it's not because it's it's easy to play on back-to-back nights. It's not. Listen, it's not. But it's not Is it physically. Harder? It's not physically that it's harder. It's not, it's mentally because you have to be in on your, your, your whole, like I'm preparing for a team and then I'm preparing for another team and you're on for 48 hours. But But if you're winning, doesn't it make it easier? But here's the thing. Long-term, I believe it makes it easier. Why? Because let's just take, for example, that Levi would have played over the weekend on Friday and Saturday, right? Back to back. And then you say Tuesday It's not going to be your game. You're going to be playing Friday, Saturday, and then Thursday, Saturday again. Now you have a chance to to kind of refresh on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You have four days to kind of refresh and then get back at it again. Instead, now it's Saturday, Friday you play, and then Saturday is basically a non-day. Like you're not going to have much to do Saturday because it's a game day. Sunday is a day off. So now you got Monday, you're back at it Tuesday. You got Wednesday, you're back at it Thursday. You never have time to disconnect. If you play like every other day or every three days or whatnot, you really don't have time to disconnect. I feel like it'd be so much better for goalies to go back to back and then have a little bit of a a break. Or you go three out of four and then have a week or five days. I really feel that we are... We're we're overthinking the 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 back to backs and the goalie situation, and I think that's a trend around the NHL. But nobody has answers. Nobody has really like concrete answers. Are saying, hey, you know what? Like it's back to back. I'm going to use both goaltenders. I would do it the opposite. I would go the total opposite. Use my one guy on back to back, and then play my backup on a Tuesday night when you have time to really refresh and focus about it. I would excuse science i would simply ride the hot hand when ryan miller 
won those back-to-back games on consecutive days on the road in 2012. Ryan played 22 of the final 24 games that season as the team went 15, 5, and 4 in their push for a playoff spot. Yeah. Well, Ryan sure Miller was pretty... Ryan Miller too. Like, I mean, there's unique. Guess there's what? Different Most goaltenders. goalies would be if they get the chance. Yeah, I, well, I get, but I'm just saying like Ryan Miller was a, 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 a an elite, elite goaltender with experience in 2012. Many years of experience. That's, of course you know, you have, you have to, to manage that too. But that also, Levi you know what I would fail. say? You don't know Levi's going to fail. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm going to say. You, you have Levi who played college for the last three seasons playing Friday, Saturday. Two. Well, two and yeah, yeah. He missed okay. an entire year as first. Yeah, but okay. So the last two seasons, playing every Friday, Saturday, most often. Mm-hmm. Play Friday, Saturday, and then you have days to prepare. And then you mm-hmm. play Friday, Saturday, days to prepare. And, and the same is true for guys that go through the AHL, where you play a lot of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, it, that's how we did it. And and I get our times was different. Brother played 70 some games and Dom played a lot and Patrick played a lot. And it was the Cur- Curtis Joseph played a lot. That's how it was. But we went from those guys playing so many games to then, okay, we got to take a bad, uh, uh, you know, take everything back and not play on back to back to now want to find a happy middle. I'm saying, don't worry about the back to backs. Now, if you play a guy 16 sets of back to backs throughout the season, okay, at the end of the year, you may be, in Sabres a different situation. Well, I, yeah, okay, but I'm just saying. No, but I'm 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 narrowing the focus because this is the Sabers show. There's yeah. only 12 sets of back-to-backs. Five of their men are in the books already. They're three and two in the first game and two and three in the back. So clearly, nothing. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing is more is pronounced here. So no. I, again, this is this is not. There used to the be biggest... 18 to 20 sets of back-to-backs too. Right. So that was different. Now you got 12. It's a different, you handle this differently, right? right? Like you can't just even think, okay, we're going to give 12 games to our backup. Back-to-backs. But it used to be like 20 back-to-back, 20 sets of back-to-back. There's your 20 games for a backup because you go 60 and 20, whatever, 80 games, right? And then maybe it's just going to change along the way, but that was almost a guaranteed. It was almost like a no-brainer. I don't want to think about it. This is how my schedule is going to go. You don't have to do that now, but you also you know, can adjust the situation. I had Tyson Nash last week ask me, hey, goalie rotation. One goalie plays, one go-. I'm like, that's terrible, right? Because there's not enough thinking about how do you win the next game? How do you put your best team together to win the next game when you do a goalie rotation? Regardless of if you win or lose, you're not in the next night. And last week, I'll I'll be honest with you, I think that the Sabres handled it the way that I would have also by playing Lukanen on the Wednesday night in Colorado and getting him one of the two. Why? Because he had been good before the uh, the sickness and you want to give them back and see where he's at. And really, to be honest with you, it wasn't Lukanen's fault. The Colorado game was absolutely bad in the first period. And the Arizona game, yeah, he made a mistake, one nothing, but the Sabres didn't have any offense from that point on. When Arizona made it one nothing, they didn't have any offense to come back. Like this was a one nothing game, technically. Like they, they just didn't have anything. So it's not on Lukanen, but... Now you use what you saw last week and you flip it to this week. Okay, I I could see Levi going all three games if the performances are there in the first two. 
Well, um, obviously, we didn't solve anything there. So apologies for the first 11 minutes of the pod. But uh, well, we solved what, what I would do and we saw what you would do. What I would do. Um, well, no, what you would do is you would run the hot hand. Yes, I know. But I'm saying nobody cares. Since this team <laughs> went over 500, they are 6-10-2. And, and their goals for is 2.56, which is 28th in the league. Mm -hmm. So they have not found a rhythm there but the coach on monday said that if not tuesday then jack quinn is going to be very soon there's a lot of optimism that quinn's going to debut now on tuesday against columbus alex tuck may play in that game he sat out of practice with maintenance he's going to try to uh, get extended maintenance during the three-day christmas break but obviously he remains not at 100 percent, but trying his best to help this team how are they going to find a rhythm offensively, let's assume, with Tuck and with Quinn and at some point with an answer to the power play? Uh, that's a million-dollar question right here. because Well, even, I ask it every week, so I sense that you've probably warmed to the task now. So Well, yeah, but I try to not always repeat the same question, uh, so the same answer. Say something different. <laughs> uh, say something different. Uh, well, no, you haven't talked about Quinn this year, so let's we'll start with Quinn. If yeah, Quinn plays okay. Tuesday, how does it impact the lineup? Well, I mean, I, I'd love to say Quinn is going to come in and he's going to be where he was last year. And, and you know, but this is a guy that late December mm -hmm. will play his first game of the season. Whenever he plays, if it's Tuesday, Thursday or Saturday, we'll play his first game of the season. I can't put all my eggs in the Jack Quinn basket. Will there be some energy that's going to be there for him? Absolutely. Will he have that that added offense maybe on the power play? Yeah, there's a chance there, but it, I I have a hard time thinking that Jack Quinn alone is going to make that much of a difference. And there's there's just not that sustained consistency offensively right now, right? Like the what we saw with the Krebs Oposo Robinson line crashing the net and getting that huge win at home, right? And in you're thinking Wow, this is exactly what they need to do, what they like what they what we've been waiting for them to do. And then it's not there where you go into Arizona, especially after a big win in Vegas, and you don't have much around the net. You had you had great chances for four minutes at the end of the first and three minutes starting the second. And then after that, it flattened out. It just flattened out for the rest of the game. So yeah, Quinn's gonna be a nice addition. I would I would love for this team to find a top nine right now because you just don't have that. So one player, Quinn, coming in, even if Tuck is there, you still don't have enough to f put together a top nine. Then that's the issue that I think is going to continue to plague them offensively is just you're relying on a top six and a bottom six, and it's just hard to consistently put numbers up to be able to, to score like you used to or like you want to. Uh, are you, con well, from a power play standpoint, um, now what? I mean, just from a look standpoint, look, it, from sorry a look for standpoint, not filling in all the details here. Obviously, Quinn's coming back. Tuck could play. Skinner's still out. Thompson's quiet right now offensively. The Greenway's day to day. Yeah, but he's never going to play power play. The group yeah. is two for 29 the last 11 games. They've only had six power plays the last four games, which is not a lot to work with. Yuri Kulik is going to play his final game with the Amherst on Wednesday and then head to the World Juniors for a third time in his career. Yeah. So don't be looking in that direction for someone to come up and help 
from Yuri's standpoint. So how do you massage all this to try to make it work, look different, feel better? Well, I, I, you know, they've been talking about, oh, well, let's move, you know, Tate Thompson around. Let's get him to the right side. I would put Jack Quinn on the right side. I would have Quinn on the right side because then it's a right-handed shot that you can work the low play and you can have Thompson back door. You, I would have Thompson back to the left side where the one-timer is and maybe work away from Thompson, right? Like work from the right side of the, the ice. And maybe that's the impact Jack Quinn can have. But again, it's hard to ask him to say, hey, control a power play, be the guy on the half wall, have the play, right? Find a down low player, a net front guy, and have Thompson to the, uh, to the left flank. Maybe that's the look. Right now, who knows if Tuck is going to play on Tuesday night. So if you were to insert Jack Quinn into the first power play unit, you could roll Benson, Paterka, Quinn with Thompson and Dalene. You could just swap Tuck for Quinn. If Tuck is going to play, maybe you just, you know, Quinn slides in where Paterka was. You move Paterka to the other unit, and then you have two units that can go, you know, back and forth. But I, I, I doubt that until you have your your identity set on the power play, which was Tage with the one-timer. And I then we saw Dalene with the shot from up top. But until you have that shot mentality and that identity on the power play, I think Quinn can help a little bit, make a nice play here and there. But it got to go through Tage. And Tage has been quiet. And I you know, I don't think Tage is... A hundred percent still. I think there's, there's, he's not handling the puck super cleanly. Um, so it makes a big difference. Uh, Coach Granado did say he believes Tuck will play on Tuesday. Obviously, it'll be determined at the morning skate. Um, wouldn't the power play at some point, um, go through Darlene if it doesn't already? I, well, yes. Um, and again, maybe it's Dalene and Quinn, middle and right flank. Like, I think what we're trying to do and what the Sabres are trying to do is kind of force it to the left side, almost set up the left side. Why? Because Dalene's a left-handed shot. So when they play the back and forth with Thompson, if he's there or whoever else is on the left side, mm -hmm. um, you're trying to set Dalene for the one-timer. But teams are, are so good at breaking it down now that they always seem to be in the right position. I, I love a, a really good hard slap shot from the point. A good one-timer. Darlene, I've been saying it all the time. But right now, it's not there. The option's not there. Work from the other side of the ice and see if you can get maybe a different. Like maybe you do a ro high rotation, Darlene Thompson. And D Thompson's the guy at the top that gets the pass back from the right flank if it's Quinn and gets the one-timer from the top. I think there's different things. But having three high and two low, it's just not enough numbers at the net right now. I would move Thompson a little lower into the, you know, his left flank position, but more around the net to be able to get that out number at the net three on two right down low. Well, when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York, Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters, open daily, self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations, Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, Buffalo Creek. The Sports Lounge features the latest lines, multiple screens, so you never miss a minute of the play. The Sportsbook at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. What else is the new segment I'm introducing today? What else is catching your attention right now, Marty? Uh, what else is catching my attention right now? Uh, it, it's the, the way that the race is in the Eastern Conference, really. And I know maybe that's not Sabres related, but we have to start looking around too, right? The teams that the Sabres are kind of battling with or trying to get back into the picture. Um, all the teams ahead of Buffalo right now have at least a 500 or better record. 
That's why this week, and that's why last week, that trip, that three-game strip was huge for me. If you get, go two out of three and you go two out of three this week, all of a sudden, boom, you're back at 500. Now you went one out of three, so you got to go three out of three this week to get mm -hmm. back to 500. Pittsburgh just got blown out by the Leafs, 7-0. You know, they're sitting, you know, at the same number of points, but three games in hand. Um, you can get to Montreal. Tampa is just not finding their groove. New Jersey just lost Anaheim. Like, there's there's teams ahead of you that are struggling. One week can make a big difference, but you got to have that. We're going to, you know, clean sweep this week. We're going to do everything we can to find a way to win this week, and then we'll take our Christmas break, and then we'll reset. But so that's that's where I'm looking around the league right now. When I see that, you know, New Jersey is losing a game, and then you know the Pittsburgh are, Penguins are getting blown out. That is catching my attention because I'm like, if we the Sabres could get, just get hot, get hot right now for one week and then get themselves back into a, a better position before the new year. Right, but they haven't had a week. They've only won. They haven't had years. consecutive games. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. And so the Islanders have two regulation losses in 16. Toronto has one yeah. regulation loss in 15. The Flyers have three regulation losses in 17. The Capitals have six regulation losses in 23. There's a reason why they are, you know, where they are in contrast to those teams right now. And 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 some with the glass half full would say they're still really close. But yeah. I think I think it's it's going to take a lot longer to close the gap than one or two good weeks here. Uh, it's going to take longer, but it has to start somewhere. And that, that's been probably said so many times. Like, oh, look at this week. The you know, big win against Vegas. Put put two and two together and then you have a you know your second consecutive wins of the season. Sabres only had one time this year when they won consecutive games. The Chicago Blackhawks have not won consecutive games this year, but Chicago is where they are. They got Connor Bedard, they knew this was going to be the thing. It's not where the Sabres want to be and needed to be. So, you're right there and you talk about the Washington Capitals. The Washington Capitals, despite the fact they played four less games than the Sabres, have scored 20 less goals. Like we were talking about the Sabres needing to find more offense, but there's teams that are still finding a way to win without scoring goals. Why? Because they're either getting really good goaltending or they they they're 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 complementary. And I hate using that because that's a Bills thing, but you know, they play complementary hockey. They win two one, or you know, that's the way it is. And right now the Sabres are even I think of Arizona again. It's a one nothing game. You just got to find a way to score one or two. That's it. That's the game right there. And you can't do that. That's why the, the, the Sabres right now are so far behind. Shana Goldman at The Athletic had an exhaustive piece on Ovechkin's trials this year. Oh, it is yeah. out now as for why he is in a career-long goalless drought of 13 games. What I found really interesting was um, watching the Capitals last night so Kuznetsov has had uh, a great deal of pressure and um, disappointment the last few years. Okay. And, but he's been ultra consistent in his, um, in his shootout attempts until recently when he came in with the same move and got real close to the net and Scott Wedgwood was effective in poking it away from him. Mm -hmm. So last night, Kuznetsov actually came in from the left wing instead of the right and chose yeah. to shoot earlier and made it look easy. And I was like, hmm, 
leopard spots changing. Oh, I thought, yeah. really, you know, I, I thought it was really impressive for a guy who's been under the microscope, been scratched, been ineffective, uh, you know, almost a lightning rod for, because Ovechkin's going to be, you know, people are going to cut him <laughs> as much slack as humanly well, yeah. possible. Right. Um, so it was very interesting that Kuznetsov changed it up and was able to get them the win by scoring that shootout goal. So, I, but again, like what was that game? It was a one-one game. It's right. a one-one game that they win a shootout, right? Like, could that have been the Arizona game for the Sabers? Of course, it could. Make it one-one. That's why like, you can't easily dismiss the mistake that Lukanen made. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's sports. Like people are going to gravitate to the unfortunate moment, and Lukanen would be the first to tell you that. Like he's not, he's not gonna he's not going to excuse himself from taking blame. No, you can't over overlook that mistake. It was a huge mistake yeah. after a Sabres shift in the offensive zone for a minute and a half, right? Well, the and mistake was the shift not producing. Producing, so that's a mistake. <laughs> but you're it, it, when you see the highlight, what are you going to see? You're going to see Luke right. and go behind the net and mishandle the puck, and it's in the back of the net, Clayton Keller, right? Mm -hmm. But these are the types of game this year where the Sabres have not been able to do what Washington did the other night. Just, mm -hmm. it's a 1-1 game, win it in a shootout. A 1-1 game, win it in, a, in overtime. Find the way to push it to the extra here. Haven't had a lot of it, and haven't had a lot of success in it, so that's the big difference uh, when it comes to the way that the, the, the records have gone for Washington and Buffalo. You think the audio has been terrible this podcast because my uh, headphone has been um, hitting my bandit's quarter zip? I haven't heard it once. No, but you probably wouldn't hear it. So all apologies to everybody who does hear it when we actually run this thing back. I think it's uh, been all good. I don't. Yeah. I didn't hear it, and I'm good. I got those things stuck in my ear, like Patrick Roy's Santa Cup rings. Not as stuck as Brian Duff's uh, earpiece, where I had to perform. Uh, I don't remember what the surgery is called now, but I did have to perform you're ear one surgery. One hell of a doctor. You don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I I read a book, uh, Ear Surgery for Dummies. That's what I did. <laughs> well, imagine if it had gone wrong, what our gift exchange would have looked like on Saturday night. I would have gotten you a um, a plastic or a rubber ear to fit on top of it just to keep oh there. I thought about getting that, but where do you find a rubber ear? I don't know. Bring it out at Halloween. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, I'm sure we will, but no. Okay. So I'm looking at other names on that incredible list of Sabre goalies winning on back-to-back -back days in the last decade and Roth a couple of times, Miller multiple times. That Michael Hauser moment was pretty cool in 2021. It was awesome. Yeah. It was obviously like you mentioned, <laughs> it's a different thing, but did we learn anything from that situation? How, no. you know, depending on the travel, depending on the actual moments in the season, yeah. where you can go goalie on well, back because they used to play three out of four with the same team. And often mm -hmm. you, you know, you wanted to set the tempo. So you'd play the first two games and some teams use same goalie, the first two games because they wanted to go two and oh, and then, okay, then we're going to figure out what happens in game three. Right. One of the Miller instances was actually the first two games of the season in 2013. He played at home against Philly and played the next night in Toronto. And again, like that's what you would expect. Right. And I, I, I just, like, I get it that they're looking for the next Ryan Miller. I, I fully understand that, but it wasn't very long ago and multiple times where you said, you're going to be at the 40 game mark here before you know it. Well, guess what? They're only eight games away from that. Yeah. 
time is rapidly, rapidly being removed off of this calendar. So that's obviously where, if you were sensing an urgency in my voice, that's where it was coming from at the top of the show today. No, and, and there is, again, if you were third in the Atlantic and I'd build a nice cushion and you had a rhythm and everything was good, it's different. Mm -hmm. Right now, you're going to play some players that have that need maintenance, right? And you're going to push it a little bit more. And that's why, like Don Granado talked about, Tuck is going to need some maintenance often. Mm -hmm. um, this is not resolving. He's going to need time. But you also have to look at your roster and you're like, okay, if Tuck doesn't play on Tuesday night, what do we have to create offense mm -hmm. on our, because we're going to re-answer Jack Quinn in mm -hmm. the lineup possibly. We have an 18-year-old Zach Benson, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's what we have. Like Tage Thompson, uh, we have a JJ Paterko having a great season, but we don't have a, a Jeff Skinner. Um, Dylan Cousins playing better. Casey, like that's what you have. So you're going to, push a little bit. You're going to say, I'm good. I'm good to go. Tuck's going to say, I'm good to go. I'm playing. Quinn's going to say, I want to play. But the same can be applied to the goalies where you would ask Devin Levi, hey, you're good to go. I'm good to go. Okay, let's go. Let's let's push it a little bit and see if we can roll the dice on it. Roll those uh, soft, uh, you know, dice that you got me for, uh, for Christmas and mm -hmm. see what numbers comes up. It can't be a two and a seven, but, you know, whatever. I think it would come up Levi. Okay, on that note, we'll see you Tuesday, folks.